I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to The Erin May Henry Show. This is a podcast created to help you to be unapologetically yourself and get paid for it. Here, we talk all about personal branding, online business, social media marketing, and everything in between. And along with serving you some incredible lessons about how to grow your personal brand, we also have some amazing chats with extraordinary entrepreneurs and influencers about how they built theirs. This podcast is going to give you everything you need to know to become known online, grow your influence, impact, and income. So with that being said, let's jump into today's episode. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I could not be more excited for today's interview because the person that I'm speaking to, you obviously already know because you saw in the title of this podcast, but I really accredit a lot of what I do in my business to this person because through the tougher times that I've had, it's their vulnerability and the way that they show up that inspires me to just keep creating. A really hard time that I went through back in 2017, I found their book, Girl Code. Obviously, I'm talking about Cara Orwell Labor, the queen of female empowerment, in my opinion. But back when I was going through a tough time in 2017, I found that book. I remember I started listening to it when I was on a walk with George. George said, you know, I know you're struggling right now. How about we just get out? We'll both chuck our headphones in. We'll walk a little bit and just start listening to some books or some music. And we'll just like, you know, take a breather. And so I walked and I started listening to that book. And it really, really just did switch something in me. And I came back and the the, the thing that I was struggling with, all of a sudden I had a lot of clarity around and I really, really thank her for that and her work. So I'm really blessed and honored to be speaking to her today. She has a new book out. It is called Like She Owns the Place. It is out July 10th. So if you are listening to this on this day, this launches, then you can go grab your copy now. Or obviously if you're listening to it much after that, then go grab your copy instantly. But I had such a great talk to her all about being an online personal brand, being vulnerable, how she's really grown, how she's become a published author from the self-publishing route and so many things in between that are just so relevant to anyone who is on this influential entrepreneurial journey. So I'm not going to waste any more time talking to you about how much I love her and I am just going to jump straight into this episode. Hope you enjoy. I am so, 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 so freaking excited. You probably know how excited I am because I've been talking about this interview for months now, all over social media, and the time has finally come for me to sit down with 
one of my favorite authors of all time, Kara Orwell Leibar. She is the author of Girl Code, which is a book that you know I've spoken about so many times. It was one of those books that really helped me at a turning point in my business. And she has a new book out, which I had the pleasure of reading before it was launched. I ended up actually reading it in a day, guys. That's how good it was. And it's packed with information. I mean, it took me hours, but I could not put it down. So I'm so excited to welcome Kara onto the show. So thank you so much, Kara, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. (laughs) So I know most of my audience probably know you by now because as I said, I've been rating you since like the dawn of my business. Um, (laughs) But just in case there are some people who are meeting you for the first time, do you want to go through and give you a little spiel about what you do with your business and your blog and your podcast and pretty much all the other fabulous things you do? Yeah. So I started a blog 10 years ago in 2008 called The Champagne Diet. And the blog was literally inspired by a glass of champagne. I was working in a corporate job that I was just so not happy at. I wasn't fulfilling my creative potential. And I just really just felt like I I found myself at a point in life where I was like, this is just not kind of what I thought I'd be doing. But, you know, it was a good job and I was getting paid a pretty good salary for my age. And I was, you know, good at what I did. I've always been a hard worker. And I found myself just getting like promotion after promotion and feeling more and more chained to this life that just did not feel like my own. So I decided to start a blog after I was inspired by a glass of champagne. And I wound up just starting to kind of view my life in a different way. I had this glass of champagne after a friend recommended I start drinking it as like a low calorie um, beverage. And the first time that I drank it, I was like, oh my God, why don't people drink more champagne? Like this is such an elevated, luxurious experience. And I started thinking about my life and the way that I was viewing my life. Was I taking the time out to celebrate things? Was I really indulging in the good life? Was I feeling feminine? Was I feeling on? Was I feeling the way you feel when you hear a bottle of champagne pop in a restaurant? Mm -hmm. So that quickly became like kind of a metaphor. And I started writing these stories, you know, it took all through like a big breakup that I went through, through my own personal transformation. And I was just loving the connection that I was finding with the women that were reading my blog. And now keep in mind, this was 10 years ago. So social media was very different. We only had Twitter and Facebook. So for anybody that struggles and feels like they don't know, you know, can't put themselves out there, like that's BS because I did it with just a little Twitter account and a Facebook account. And I, you know, I did the best that I could do, but I was finding that I was quickly connecting with women from all around the world. And I thought it was so amazing. Like the power of social media, the fact that you could put out a blog post and somebody could just message you right away and say like, you know, I loved what you just said. And then, you know, have a conversation with them. And I knew I wanted to take that connection a step further. So a couple years into my blogging career, I started thinking about life coaching. I had never had a life coach. I had never worked with one. I didn't have any friends who were life coaches. It just seemed like it made the most sense because I didn't want to go back to school and become like a therapist. And I I knew I just wanted to work with people kind of in a different capacity. So I became a certified master life coach and I wound up writing a couple of books, the whole big story around that and journey we can get into later. Um, it was not a linear path. I, just, I thought I was going to be Carrie Bradshaw and, you know, have this like amazing book deal <laughs> living in New York city. And my story did not go that way, but I learned a lot and I wound up self-publishing a few books and, um, I have a podcast now and my message is just really around empowering women to live their most effervescent champagne lives, to take time to really celebrate everything about 
themselves and about their journey and really just live with intention. I love that so much. Now, because, you know, as I mentioned, this podcast is all about personal branding and I love what you spoke about there, you know, talking these days we have so many opportunities for how we can reach people, how we can build a community compared to even back when you did start. But I think a lot of people listening, I can just hear the chirps. I can hear them saying, yeah, but then that's easy to say because now there's so much more competition and, you know, so many more people are wanting to be life coaches, self-published authors, building personal brands. So what would your advice to be those women who are stuck in the nine to five job, know they've got something more within them, but kind of have that fear around it's too late. So I don't believe in competition. And I wrote about this in Girl Code. I do not believe that there is any competition when you're being authentic to yourself. And if you take the time to listen to your intuition and really just be who you really are, like there's nobody else in the world that's going to do it like you. And you know, what makes me any different from anyone else in the world, right? What? Yeah, I've been doing it for 10 years. So I've been doing this stuff for a really long time. But I have no special advantage or edge from any other life coach or any other author. I think the reason I've been able to be successful and I think the reason why women, you know, will be successful is when they start to do things with their own style and their own flair. And like when it comes to personal branding, it's something that you can't really teach. It's just something you can kind of empower people to do. Um, We all have our own way of doing things and certain people are going to be attracted to you because of the way you tell a story or because of the way you write a book, like all of the stuff that I talk about, like I'm not reinventing the wheel here, you know, like so much of my life is guided by like the principles of the law of attraction and, you know, things that like millions of other people say, but I think I just say it in a way that's relatable to a certain amount of, you know, certain group of women. So if you focus on what, what makes you excited? Like, how would you want to hear a story told or how would you want to learn something? I think that's really like the biggest key when it comes to personal branding. That's massive. And I do, I guess, beyond that, I guess, to flip the switch a little bit, because something I thought about when I was reading through your book and you talk so heavily about self-expression. And this is probably one of the reasons why I've been such an avid follower of yours and just loved everything you do, because you know, we always say the people that we are drawn to are almost like a mirror for ourselves. And I found myself along my journey, very caught up in imitation, you could say. And I've spoken about this a lot to my audience, how, you know, when I started my business, the coach I was working with was very like country club, go to the Ritz Carlton, like, I don't know, very soft pinks and stuff, which is not me. I'm very like blacks, shops, leathers, things like that. (laughs) Um, And I found myself in a really difficult spot in my business. And what you're saying right now is, you know, that self-expression, no matter what stage you're at is what is going to help you to be successful. So like hypothetically, if there was a woman who was, you know, six months to a year into her business and had found that she was just heavily influenced by other people or had completely lost her own sense of style, how would you, I guess, coach her through or advise her to find her way back to her own self-expression? And do you think that would have any hindrance on her growth? Um, So I would tell her exactly what I have told people in the past, unfollow and unsubscribe from everybody in your industry. I love that. And I know that's a crazy thought, right? I've actually told girls, please unfollow me. Like if you are having an issue and you're finding yourself like, you know, doing things the way that I do them, or you find yourself comparing yourself to me, unfollow me for a while, take a break. Because when we do consume things, right, there's like a fine line between imitation and inspiration. And when we're immersing ourselves in our world, 
we sometimes don't even realize that we're like picking up somebody else's style or language or vocabulary or way of doing things. And when I, when I got my book deal and I sat down with my editor, I said to her, I don't read my comp titles, right? My competitive titles. I don't read my industry. I don't read personal development books. And she's like, why? And I'm like, I just, I never want to take on somebody else's voice without meaning to. So I never want to write something and realize, oh my gosh, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote that or Brene Brown wrote that. So I don't, I purposely don't read those books. And she's like, got it. Totally understand. I'll read the books for you. I'll see what's going on in your world. So I think it's just about separating yourself from the pack and really getting inspired by other things. Like I'm so inspired by music and by art. Like I'll sit there and watch a David Bowie documentary like 10 times over and just study the way that he thought and the way that he dressed and the way that he did things. And I know I can infuse that inspiration in my business in a way that's not going to cross any lines. You know, it's not like I'm watching a documentary on another author, for example, or a life coach. So find inspiration in the things outside of your industry and do not be afraid to unfollow, unsubscribe, or take a breather from all of the stuff in your industry that you're, you've been consuming. I love that so much. And that's something that I really tried to do recently, but then I guess the next question, sorry, I'm like fully picking your brain here. I have so many questions. No, I love it. <laughs> Even though I like kind of know all the answers to this because I've like consumed pretty much everything you put on the internet. I just like, <laughs> I know I can hear the questions my audience would want to ask you. So I'm just like letting them speak through me. But then, so my, so my, my next question on that, I guess, because you are so knowledgeable in everything that you do and all of your books are so inspirational, but they're also really I guess, actionable, like there's specific things that we can do to increase the quality of our life and our businesses. So if we're kind of maybe not pulling inspiration from the people beside us or within our industry, what's your practice for increasing your knowledge per se or continuous learning? Is that from, you know, older texts or how do you continually grow and evolve in the industry without kind of looking beside you? So, okay. Two things. Number one, I take all my inspiration from my own life experience. So I always say that I view the world with a teaching lens. So anytime that anything's happening to me, you know, I talk about life. I write about life. That's like my main thing, right? Definitely talk about business, but like just life in general, life as a woman and every single experience that I go through or every challenge that I face or obstacle that I have, I think about what I can learn from that experience. So for example, if I find myself in a situation like my first book deal that I tried to get that I, my first book proposal was rejected 19 times. So that entire experience has become such great teachable content for me because I can share what I learned from it and I can share what I went through. I think our most authentic stories and our most authentic teachings are when they're things that are happening in our own lives. And in terms of just kind of learning about my industry or learning about certain philosophies and theories, I really just say, like, go to the source. Like I have learned a lot about like Buddhist teachings. I studied the law of attraction for a long time. Like I went straight to the source of these things as opposed to going around and like listening to other people who are just like sharing that information in their own way. So it's kind of like a twofold thing, but I think you will never ever have as much inspiration as you will from your own journey. I love that. And I don't remember who said it, it's Thoreau? No, I don't know. But someone said, just write what you know. The best way to create, the best way to stand out is write what you know instead of, you yeah. know, constantly researching. And I love that. Um, but, whoa, 
<laughs> rejected 19 times. I mean, that <laughs> is a story in itself. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately is how many people are giving up before they, you know, really reach where they want to go these days. I hear so many stories of, you know, people getting rejected by publishers and things like that. And then they're just giving up or trying to host events and then giving up more so with my, with my kind of community. But can you walk us through that story of like being rejected 19 times and now you have seven books, is it? So that's a massive transformation there. So kind of can maybe how's your self-publishing to publishing journey gone? Yeah. So I, it's funny you say this because I just did an Instagram story today and I was like, Hey guys, you know, I walked outside and it was hot. I'm like, it's really hot out. And you know, summer in New York city always reminds me of publishing a book, like the way the air smells and just the vibe and the energy. And that's because I've been in the process of publishing a book every single summer since 2011. And it started in 2011 when I I started my first book proposal. The blog was a couple years old at that point. And I knew that I wanted to write a book and I literally just Googled how to get a book deal. And I found out that you had to get a literary agent first. So I did, you know, my due diligence and I learned how to write a query letter and write a book proposal. And I pitched a bunch of agents and I got a couple of offers, which was a pretty good sign because I think the stat is like, 99% of query letters get rejected by agents alone, let alone publishers, right? So it's not, you know, the odds were not in my favor, but I did what I had to do. I got a ton of rejections there, but I wound up getting an offer from an agent that was fabulous. And we worked together for probably almost a year, kind of tightening up the proposal, maybe six months. Um, we put this big proposal together. I was like so certain that I was going to get a deal. She was like, yeah, we'll probably have a little bit of a bidding war. And, you know, we all believed in this book and it was like the complete opposite of a bidding war. There were 19 publishers that came back and said, thanks, but no thanks. And there were tons of different reasons, right? People said things like the story's good, but it's not great. Or, you know, she's got a decent following, but she doesn't have enough of a following. Oh, wow. She's not a celebrity. You know, she's a first time author. So I took that information and I thought to myself, okay, I have a choice here. I can either let some gatekeeper, right? Some arbitrary random gatekeeper (laughs) tell me that I'm not good enough to be an author or tell me that I'm never going to have my dream job or I can take matters into my own hands and go self-publish. And I read a, um, a blog post called Seth Godin and everybody right now should go and Google this blog post. And it was called Pick Yourself. I actually just did a podcast. It was my episode 103 of my podcast, Style Your Mind. And I talked about this and it was a really short post. And he just talked about the, the whole kind of like craziness of the world that we're living in and how in the past we had to wait to be picked. So if you were an artist or musician, you had to wait for a record label to pick you. If you were an author, you had to wait for a publisher to pick you. And it's so different now. I mean, within minutes, you can go on Amazon and, and, you know, make a, an account at create space and write some words in Microsoft word and upload it and have a book, right? Like within seconds, you can open up GarageBand and start talking into your microphone and then you've got a podcast. So we're in such a different world now. And that blog post really resonated with me. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to pick myself and I'm going to go and do this. So I figured out how to self-publish and a lot of hiccups on that road. But again, Google was my best friend. I tell everybody to use Google, you know, (laughs) nobody to ask, no one that I knew, you know, that had ever self-published before or even was traditionally, traditionally published. So I didn't know any authors. So I figured it out and I put out my first book, Sparkle in 2012. 
And that book did well. I actually had a few bestseller lists on Amazon, a couple different categories. And I think the reason for that was because I shared the entire journey with my audience. So when it comes to personal branding, my thing is vulnerability and sharing and being as transparent as possible. So my tribe was with me the entire time. And my tribe was much smaller. I think I had like a thousand or 2000 followers at the time, but they were invested in me and I was sharing everything with them. And they knew about the journey and they knew about all the rejections and they knew about all the failures and they were still behind me. And I showed them that I was choosing to move forward despite this different direction that I had to go. So that book, the first sparkle came out and then I did the champagne diet and then I did fearless and fabulous. And then I did girl code. Girl code is the book that somehow some way like put me on the map. And I don't know what it was about that book. It could have just been the timing. It could have been the content. It was just magic, whatever it was. Right. But that book just resonated with people. And I went on to independently sell over 50,000 copies of girl code on my own through create space. And I mean, the stats on publishing, I think what is this? There's a statistic recently that I read that was something like out of the millions of books that are on sale each year in the United States, I think like maybe 2% of those books will sell 5,000 copies. It's like crazy. Or 1% what? of those books will even sell 5,000 copies. Yeah. So I, the, the book took off and I was approached then by um, Penguin Random House, which is my publisher now, Portfolio Books, which is the same imprint that did Girl Boss. And also ironically, the same imprint that does Seth Godin's book. So now I'm like, label mate with Seth Godin, which I is saw so- he wrote a quote from the back of your book, loved it. <laughs> I did. Like, oh, yeah, I actually, <laughs> um, I wrote him a letter and I got that letter, which talked about that blog post. I got it into the hands of his publicist through my wow. publisher. And he was the first person to back up my book, the first person to endorse my book. He read the whole thing and he wrote that blurb for me. So it was just like such a full circle moment. But um, yeah, so now I have a deal and I just like, she owns the place is the new book coming out. That's the book that I'm doing with um, Penguin Random House. And they also picked up Girl Code and re-released it. We put some new bonus content in it. So I have two books with them now. So it's been such a journey, but I think the thing that has always kind of been consistent with me is that I never gave up. And I just, I always looked for a new way to do something. I was always ready to pivot And I was really just kind of, even though I wanted it so badly, I had to detach myself from that outcome of getting that book deal and getting that book out there and just think my main reason for doing this is to connect with women. So who cares like how you do it? Who cares if it's self-published? Who cares if you have to set up your own book signings, which by the way, you still do even as a traditionally published author. So no matter if anyone's listening and they want to do a book, you still need to figure out how to have your own platform because you're really, you still are so independent, you know, as an author, at least nowadays. So it's just been a wild ride, but I think just being persistent and just, you know, like making it happen no matter what has just been the common theme through all of it. Seriously obsessed with everything you said, but three real golden nuggets that I've just pulled out, which I think are really going to benefit everyone listening to kind of what you just spoke about from that journey is first of all, the documentation process. And I want to really get into like vulnerability and showing up online in a moment, but where you said you, you know, you just shared the whole experience with your audience is something I talk about all the time. Like that builds so much credibility and it allows you to build a relationship with your audience by allowing them to be a part of the journey. Like, would you agree that having your audience come along with you through all of those wins, all of those struggles and everything allowed you to essentially sell more books and grow your brand and grow your community and everything else that you've done? 
Oh, 100%. I mean, nobody wants to see perfection. Nobody wants to see a flawless career. Nobody wants to see, you know, something that they can't relate to. Like I love seeing behind the scenes of people's businesses and lives. Like I love to see their office. I love to see them going to meetings. I love to see them, you know, launching a new idea. So I knew that that was something I wanted to bring to my community as well to show them like, I am just a normal girl. Like I did not have anyone hand me anything. I like everything that I've done in my business. I put all my own money into it. Like I don't have any special edge. And I think when you level the playing field like that, that's what makes you relatable to people. And that's what makes people want to become invested in your journey and follow along and buy your books and go to your workshops and take your courses because they, they feel like they could be you. Yeah, I love that. And something else that you said, which I really, really wanted to touch upon was the whole concept of you wrote the first, second and third books, and then out came Girl Code. And that was just like where everything turned for you. And this is huge because I'm pretty sure it was when I was watching RuPaul's Drag Race, maybe, I don't know, but I I heard a quote (laughs) and it was like, um, you know, in life we're presented with a series of opportunities. It's like, we have to show up and be prepared for them. And for everyone listening, it's like, they might've tried this one business and it went well, but it's like, they didn't meet their expectations. And then they tried something else. It's like, I think that's where so many people give up after that, like second or third, like not necessarily like just not meeting of their expectations, but it's like, you have to keep going. And then one day you will almost reach that tip of the mountain, like metaphorically where, you know, things turn and things change. So I love yeah, and it sets you up, you know, it prepares you for success and it, then it gives you something to use to your advantage. So for example, when I got my book deal, I was in a very different position than a new author. I had so much that I could bring to the table and I had so much control over my personal brand, which if I hadn't developed a personal brand, I might've been swayed to do things based on the recommendation of my publisher or just do things that maybe didn't feel authentic to me. And like the fact that I've established myself has been a huge point for me to leverage. You know, I've turned down so many opportunities that have come my way through my publisher that I did not feel were on brand for me. And if I had, you know, not ever done a book before, I would have probably just agreed to these things and maybe even feeling like they weren't right for me, but you know, being in a very different situation. So if you can kind of just set yourself up like and establish that you know, that respect in your industry, even if you've done things in the past that maybe didn't work out, every single thing is a learning experience. We grow from everything and we need something to build on. So you got to put yourself out there. I have so many things that I've tried that didn't work. You know, I just opened up a storefront last year in Brooklyn and it was a place that I was going to run my business from. I had a whole vision for it. And after six months, I just realized it wasn't serving me. And I actually wound up moving from Brooklyn to Manhattan and I shut down the store. Mm-hmm. So we got to try. If you don't try, you'll never know. Could you look at that and say, I failed? Could you look at that and say, it didn't work out? Could you look at that and say, oh my God, you wasted God knows how much money, like putting that whole thing together? Sure, maybe. But I look at it as like, I did something that served a purpose in my life. It was a season for me where I learned so much about commercial real estate and having a space and, you know, what I want my future space to look like. So everything is an opportunity to grow and evolve as a woman and as a businesswoman. That's so awesome because like, I think a lot of people, and this is kind of off topic to this, but so many people that I deal with and so many people that I speak to and, you know, just the inbox messages that you get either on Instagram or an email, they want everything now. They want the success. They want the, the book deal. They want the even self-published book success, the Instagram success, the YouTube success. You know, so many people 
email me and being like, can you like feature me on your channel or something to like, you know, boost my, 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 my own channel. And I, I think that what not a lot of people understand is like the journey is what you want. Like so many people yeah. want the success straight yeah. away, but just like you said, if you'd got that success straight away, got that book publishing deal in the first place, like you wouldn't be the woman that you are now to be able to have the amazing success and the amazing life that you have now, like things could have gone very differently. So I think that's so important to recognize that it's like, what is supposed to happen will happen and not even getting esoterical here, but like you want the journey because you need the growth to become the person who can handle the success. Yeah. And like, to me, the fun is in the journey. I love the grind. I love the hustle. I love the waiting to hear back about something. I love the production process. Like I live for that stuff. That's probably why I'm always doing something new and starting something new. Like I just launched a clothing line because I wanted to get immersed in a new industry and learn and challenge myself. So I think more people need to understand that the happiness is in the journey. The happiness is not from just you know, getting a book delivered to your doorstep that you published and seeing that book for the first time or making a bestseller list or, you know, having a million dollars in your bank account. The happiness is in the process and getting there. And if you can learn that, like that's one of the biggest tools to success. I love that. And the last little thing that I want to talk about, I said I had three golden nuggets, um, was funnily enough, when I saw the Seth Godin thing on the back of the book, I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like I love Seth and everything. And I must admit that my mind immediately went to, oh, maybe that's through the, the publishing agency. But when you just said then that you yourself reached out for that opportunity, that's such an awesome lesson because even now with, you know, the opportunities that you have, like obviously you've worked for everything, but you're still reaching out and you're still connecting and you're still like pursuing things yourself. And I think that's so awesome. But so many women are just so afraid to reach out to the influencer or to message someone and appreciate their work. So what's your advice to people for starting to build relationships like that? Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because almost every single blurb on the back of that book, I got myself. I <laughs> so there are two of them on there. Um, Chelsea Fagan and, and Romy Neustadt, those came from my publisher. Those were just, you know, suggestions by them because those yeah. women actually were fans of my work already. But Lauren Bostic from Skinny Confidential, I reached out to her. I built that relationship on my own. She's amazing. Lori Harder from The Bliss Project, and she wrote A Tribe Called Bliss. That was, I reached out to her. I actually just, I had her on my podcast and I was just on her podcast. Like that was all just me. So people do need to realize that. Like even the Seth Godin thing, I sent an email. It was like seven o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And I emailed my editor and I said, I just got this like message in my head that I have to reach out to Seth Godin. And she's like, well, it might be a long shot, but I can try. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I said, I have a letter for him. Please just get it delivered to him. And she did. And he came back like two days later with that blurb. So you have to keep trying. I just sent a tweet to Gary Vee the other day. And I said, I have a groundbreaking book that I want to put in front of you for, you know, there are a lot of women in your audience that you're not speaking to, and I want to talk to them. And he gave me his email mm-hmm. and I sent him an email. So like, it never ends like that, that feeling of like striving for things, you can't get too comfortable. You know, I will admit when I first, you know, this book started to kind of get off the ground, like she owns the place. 
there was a minute there where I almost like took a nap. I was like, okay, I have a publicist now. Like I'm going to let them do the work. And I wasn't getting the results that I wanted to get in terms of reaching people. And it wasn't, they weren't, you know, they, they did a great job, but they didn't really understand the audience that I wanted to reach completely. So I just took it in my own hands and I have done pretty much all of the outreach on my end for the people that I want to speak to. And I think it's more authentic when it comes from you. You know, I've, I've never been like a mainstream kind of girl. Like to me, having like a conversation on a podcast with somebody that I really connect with or somebody through my community, through like Slay Baby, which is my Facebook group, that's more meaningful to me than getting some random placement in like a magazine. You know, like I I just think we can't be above um, that connection, that human connection and going after what we truly want and building those relationships ourselves. It's so important to to make that happen. Like nobody's going to just hand you a relationship. <laughs> you know, no yeah. one's going to say, here's a connection. Maybe they'll open a door for you. Maybe you'll get an email delivered to somebody, you know, which was great that I was able to do that. But also all that hard work came from me even setting myself up to have a book deal, which took years upon years to even get that, you know, connection to sets publicist. So it's such a long-term game. And when you understand that it's a long-term game, you can take a breath and you can realize like it doesn't have to come tomorrow. And sometimes the relationships we build, they, you know, we don't get that back. We don't, that person never answers an email from us or they don't write that blurb for us. And it's okay. You just got to keep going. Yeah. And it's something that I, I always talk about on that point, which I think is really important as well. It's like, you can't hold a grudge or anything towards that person either because it might've just not been the right time for them or, you know, there's a multitude of reasons. So don't take it personally, but, you know, just, I guess, move on, keep your head up and find, find the next one. Yeah. Um, don't take anything personally in business. That's something that I've learned, you know, especially when it comes to the internet, like I've had some crazy moments where people have sent me crazy emails and crazy mm-hmm. comments. And it's like, if you take that personally, like you are taking away the energy from your ability to create and serve your audience and do what you love to do. It's such a waste of time. Yeah. Um, when you were talking about the Seth Godin experience, you said that the idea kind of just came to you. And I know that you spoke a lot in this book about intuition and when you speak about it a lot all the time, but I wanted to get your perspective because something that I speak to a lot of women about is what's the difference or how do you personally know the difference and how do you coach people to know the difference between listening to your intuition and I guess getting ideas that have been influenced upon you. And I know you spoke about like unfollowing people, but is there a way you can really differentiate between, I guess, ideas that are based on stimuli and actually your intuition? Well, I mean, I think everything comes from, you know, being inspired through something, right? So it's, it's like, you know, we're all going to be inspired by certain things and we may get some kind of like intuitive, you know, message or download in our mind. And it doesn't mean that it's not because we saw something that really motivated us or moved us in some way. I think the two kind of do go hand in hand, but I do think when it comes down to knowing in your gut, like what the right next step is, I feel like it's just a feeling in your body. Like I always explain this to people. It's just this kind of like feeling that takes over where you just know, (laughs) you know, and I know that sounds like it's, it's hard to explain it, but like, think of a time, like, you know, in your own life, maybe where you felt like, okay, I know I have to do this. Like when I was quitting my job, it took me so long to be able to actually tell my boss that I was leaving, even though in my head, I was so checked out. But the day came where I told him and I just knew. And I remember I worked on the 48th floor and he was on the 47th. And there was a staircase in between us that I would take to go to his office. And like, 
I must have walked up and down that staircase for like a week straight before I actually had like the balls to go into his office. But the day that I did it, I just knew. It wasn't someone telling me, today's the day. It wasn't my mom sending me a text saying, go do it. It was a feeling in my body that let me not only walk down that staircase, but then open the door and sit down at his desk and deliver those words to him. So just paying attention to those feelings, paying attention to like those butterflies and that magic and that little wave of anxiety. You know, I talk a lot about comfort zones and getting out of your comfort zone. I mentioned this in Girl Code, I think like it's, there's a fine line because you don't want to put yourself in such an extreme situation where you can't function, right? Like, so I would never have wanted to get so far out of my comfort zone and quit a job with no backup plan, with no, you know, revenue coming in. But, you know, putting yourself where you feel just enough outside of your comfort zone where it feels like the right move for you. Yeah, I love that. And then- in terms of like comfort zone, because I think a lot of people confuse because you hear a lot online at the moment about like following flow and like everything you do must be like alignment and not hustle and all of this stuff, like everything you do must feel good. But then contradictory to do that, it's like, you need to feel uncomfortable. You need to get outside your comfort zone and things like that. Like how does someone find that nice marriage between like making themselves feel uncomfortable and understanding that they're uncomfortable because they're outside their comfort zone but also like being in flow with what they need to be doing? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question because flow can easily be confused with comfort because we can think, well, this is easy. I see a lot of people saying it's easy. This is all easy. It should be easy. And I think that's kind of bullshit. (laughs) It's not easy. And it depends, I guess, how you're defining it. Right. Because for me, easy is like, there's no challenge, you know, easy means that there's no, you know, there's no sadness, there's no fear. There's none of that stuff all that stuff comes up. It still comes up. Like, and I think what's helped me is learning to appreciate the sad days, to appreciate the down days, to appreciate the days where I feel anxious or frustrated, because I know that means that I'm growing. So understanding that like on our path, as we evolve, it's going to be a rocky road. It's like when you're on an airplane and you're taking off, right? As you are ascending and as you're climbing through those clouds, it gets bumpy. And then you could be going along and everything's fine. And you're having your glass of wine and you're just chilling out. And then all of a sudden you hit a patch of turbulence and the pilot has to go above the storm and fly above it. And like, that's life. Like it's never just going to be this linear path. And if it was, it would be boring. And I think it would mean that you're not taking things along the way and getting stronger for it. So I have learned that, you know, when those moments come where I do feel uncomfortable or I do feel like I'm frustrated with something in my business or things aren't going right, I allow myself to feel it. And then I give myself a timeline. So I always say, you know, they they don't serve champagne at pity parties. So (laughs) I never want to have a pity party for myself. And I will say, I said to my husband a few weeks ago, just give me, it was 9.53 in the morning. I said, give me till 10 o'clock. Just let me bitch till 10 o'clock while I have this, finish this cup of coffee. And then I'm going to start getting into action mode. And he left. He's like, okay, you have like seven minutes. Just do it. (laughs) So acknowledging that, because if we don't acknowledge it, then we don't have a, like a place to, to grow from. We can't grow into that space and then appreciate when things do feel really good. So it's just the harmony between both of those feelings and realizing that it's all really serving our greater good. Yeah. Yeah. So so I guess to summarize for the audience, like you're going to know in your body when you're following the right decisions, when you can start tuning into your body. So I guess there's daily practices involved with that as well, but then recognizing that it's going to come with some duality. Sometimes you'll be really, really excited. And then other times you're going to be frustrated, but again, that's just life and the circumstances of, I guess, being a personal brand, someone who's chasing things that are outside the status quo. 
I love that. Um, but yeah. so I wanted to like kind of switch gears now a little bit because I really want to dive into talking to you about the growth of your personal brand and how you show up because honestly, you are one of those people that I truly do admire and it is because of the vulnerability and it is because of the fact that you feel so inspiring because you've done so much, but also you're you feel so in touch. Like you feel like I could just be your girlfriend, like go for a glass of champagne. And I'm sure that's the girl. That's the feeling that you give so many women, um, by being so relatable. So in your opinion for women who are trying to achieve kind of what you have, you know, be an influencer, but also be really relatable. Like, what do you think are the most important steps for them to take using social media and building their brand online? So I think when it comes to social media, like I, I don't know if I speak for everyone, but I know that I'm personally over like the super polished, mm-hmm. super curated social media feeds. Like yes. <laughs> to <laughs> me, it feel, it's like the same feeling as like watching TV. And then when the commercial comes on, you mute it and you go get your, a glass of wine or you go, you know, like go to the bathroom or something. Like I scroll past it. I tune it out. It's not something that I feel really brings me value anymore. It just, it doesn't feel like there's a real person behind it. It doesn't feel like there's like heart behind it. You know, I'm like a big person. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm vulnerable. I love to show the passion that I put into things. And I just never like want my my personal social media feed to look like that, and I don't want the people that I follow's um, pages to look like that because it just looks like it's like a dime a dozen. So I think when it comes to building your brand, it's important to have certain things that are cohesive. So for example, you know I have certain colors that people know me for that I've been using for years that I love. I love pink. I love black. I love white. I love gold. Um, you know, I think my brand is recognizable, but it's not like overly curated. So think about the things that you like, you know, and one thing for me that's, that's, I've tried to really stay true to is like, I like the way that I dress, the way that I look in person, the way that my home looks, that is what my social media looks like. You know, it's all the same. It's all one thing because it's all true. Like I'm not like putting a a message out there, you know, about living luxuriously and taking self-care and, you know, champagne. And then I'm living in like, you know, a tornado of a home (laughs) with like shit all over the place. Like I really do walk my walk. So when you start to really live your brand in real life offline, you can then reflect that in your social media because then you can take pictures in your home and you can take pictures of your, you know, whatever it is that you want to share with people, your outfit or your office. And, you know, you don't have to obviously spend a fortune making your home look beautiful or your clothes, but like just always thinking that that should be a direct reflection of the stuff that you're posting, I think just makes sense. Yeah. And then in terms of like vulnerability, because obviously showing the highs, showing the lows is what makes you connect. I really think in that, like we always say no like and trust factor, right? But like the trust and the the likability really comes from building relationships, just like the relationships you would have in real life. And that comes from vulnerability, but it still is social media and it still is a business. So like, what's your opinion or what do you feel the difference is between being vulnerable and oversharing is that something you think about like is there certain things that you're like this is just for me well yeah I mean of course we want to keep certain things private I think that there's you know you have to do that stuff like I keep my relationship private my marriage private just because out of respect for my husband and it's just something that I I like to keep for me and it's funny because I always get questions like about that and I'm like you know (laughs) yeah there's a fine line it's like I need privacy too But I think in terms of like sharing, for example, business vulnerabilities, 
you know, don't share the breakdown while you're having the breakdown, share the breakdown once you had the breakthrough after it. So give yourself a little bit of breathing room. You know, I never post anything when I'm emotionally charged. So if I'm going to share something that I'm upset over, frustrated, or I worked through, I kind of give myself a minute to take a breath and then come back and share it once I've learned the lesson from it. So again, going back to like, you know, living life with a teaching lens and how can I grow from this experience? What can I share? Share that stuff, but then also give people like some examples, some actionable tools of what to do if they find themselves in that situation. You know, it's like my books when I give like, you know, exercises at the end or questions to ask yourself, like giving somebody a tool. So it's not just like event session, but you're, you're turning it into something productive. And honestly, that's what I think what I love the most about your books. And as I said in the beginning, when I read Girl Code, it was such a turning point for me because I was in that like frustrated, stuck, like, what the fuck am I doing with this business kind of state? And you share your story, but then it's like you always give the anecdote for someone who's kind of going through the same thing. Like, this is what I did. This is my advice. And this is what you can do, which I freaking love. And by the way, you should definitely quote that. Don't share the breakdown, share the breakthrough afterwards. Oh, I, love, <laughs> I love that. I wrote it down. Um, Thank you. But <laughs> um, something that I guess is really, really important on the vulnerability side of things, or not even just the vulnerability side of things. And I loved how you spoke about this in like she owns a place. I don't think it was specifically about, um, you know, it wasn't about personal branding, but when you were talking about removing negative habits, one of the things that you mentioned in there was how it was so important for you on social media to like show your face essentially and how your audience start connecting with you so much more. Like when you show your face and not in, that sounds weird, but not in like a narcissistic kind of way, but just being visible. How much do you think that has helped you to grow your brand? And what's your advice to the people who are just still so terrified of like, showing up in video or photos and things like that. It's so important to do it. And, you know, I looked at my brand before I had like the power of Instagram stories or Snapchat or even Periscope. That's like going back a couple of years now, <laughs> but I built everything. Um, and I was successful building a brand without ever like showing anything besides a photo. Cause we didn't have video. Yeah. So I thought to myself, well, imagine if I could actually do video and, and share things with these people and like really, truly connect. And Periscope was a big one. Snapchat was big for me a few years back too. And I just noticed like such a huge increase in the connection that I had with my audience when I was doing video and when I was more visible to them. So I knew that that was something that I wanted to continue to do. And I try to jump on there as much as I can and like not stress out. And I love when I follow people who show themselves without makeup or show themselves in their like lounge house clothes or their hair is a mess. Like I want to see that. I don't want to see somebody who's like perfectly made up all the time and like overly filtered and, and, you know, in the perfect outfit. So I really try to take that same approach with what I do and show people I'm a real person. Like I'm just, you know, I'm sitting in my apartment right now, my hair in a ponytail, like, you know, no makeup on. That's like who I am. And I think that's just, you have to just get over that fear. You have to get over it. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you become with it. And when you look at the end result and you think, well, if I do this, if I could just make myself a little uncomfortable and do this once or twice until it starts to feel more normal to me, the benefit is huge. I, you know, I have the power now to turn someone's day around to really, truly connect with someone. Even if it's one person that sees your video and feels moved by it or feels less alone in some way, you know, I have girls reach out to me all the time and they're like, 
I don't have a friend in the world or my mom and, you know, just died and my sister doesn't live in the same city as me. And I feel like you're my friend. And like, I, I live for watching your videos and that makes me feel so good. So it kind of takes the ego out of it. And it makes me realize that what I do is like a much bigger purpose. And I think if you can kind of just get past that and get yourself to just do it in the beginning until it starts to feel more normal, I think that's kind of like the best approach. That's so amazing. So instead of focusing, I guess, because the main reason why so many people don't do it is the fear of feedback, but like someone's always going to judge you anyway, whether you're walking down the street or on a video or on Instagram and your focus and perception should always be on the people that you could help rather than the people who are going to judge you because they're there anyway, basically. I was just about to piss myself because you're like, I'm sitting in my pajamas and I just look down and like, I have my pajama shorts on and for some reason only one sock, but (laughs) that's that's entrepreneurial life, isn't it? Exactly. Um, So my last question, because obviously Life Your Own Place is a book all about confidence. It's not just for the entrepreneur, it's for every woman. And I really think it is one of those must reads for every woman who is trying to achieve anything in their life. But one of the quotes that really stood out to me, like tugged on my heartstrings, pulled, stood out to me, but it was the, the, the quote that you said something about like confidence is a series of repeated choices. So, you know, rather than being like, oh, I'm just choosing to be confident, it's more about choosing every decision based on being confident and, you know, accepting yourself. So for someone who's trying to build their personal brand and trying to build up their confidence to do so, what are some of the daily decisions that they should start making or some of the daily, start, daily practices that they could start implementing to build up their confidence? Well, the first thing that I personally do every single day when I wake up, I do my gratitude ritual, which I think is really important. I think getting into a space of gratitude really is essential, no matter if, whether or not you have a business. Like waking up in the morning and just listing three things you're thankful for. It completely sets the tone. It puts you in like a positive mindset. And then I ask myself two questions. I say, what do I need more of today? And what do I need less of today? And then I build my day around those things. So by setting an intention to give myself what I need more of, right? So the things that are going to give me energy, the things that are going to make me feel good, that is a confident action you know, that's something that is um, sending a message to myself that you are worthy of having the things that you want. You are worthy of having a great day. So that in and of itself, I feel like is a game changer because I think most people listening probably can't remember the last time they asked themselves that. And that's something that I, I tell every woman to do, no matter what, you know, she's going through, whatever's happening in her life, just give yourself more of what you need. And that could be anything from like, going to a workout class or taking the afternoon off work or putting your out of office on or getting a massage or reading a book, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it's diving more into your business. And then what do I need less of today? So what do I need to remove from my life? Do I need less time on social media comparing myself to other people? Because that's the opposite of a confidence building action, right? Do I need to distance myself from this toxic friend who just keeps texting me and bringing me down and like sucking my energy out of me? So start to really think about the way that you're spending your time and, you know, trust that you know exactly what you need to do with your time. And when it comes to business and personal branding, you know, think about what, what is that one thing that you've really been looking to do in your business? Like, is there something that you've been holding back on? Is there something that you feel, you know, you could do that would take you to the next level, but maybe you're scared. And then just start with one step. Like maybe it's just sending an email to someone. Maybe you just want to 
reach out to someone and go have coffee with them. Or maybe you just want to, you know, just put up like that sales page for that new course on your website. Like just take one little baby step and that starts to build such positive momentum for you. And then the next thing you know, you're like, okay, well, that wasn't that hard. Like now I'm going to do this next thing and I'm going to do the next thing. And it starts to become like this positive spiral of just, you know, feeling empowered and, and those little tiny steps all add up. I love that. And I just had one of those, thanks for calling me out moments. Cause something definitely <laughs> came up when you were saying there's that one thing in your business that, you know, is going to move you forward. So thanks. <laughs> um, and <laughs> another quote that I got from this, give yourself more of what you need. I love that so much. And thank you so much. Honestly, it was such a pleasure. I could sit here and talk to you for hours about personal <laughs> learning, but I know you are a very busy woman and I won't keep you. So just before we do jump off, I have my little game that I like to play just to allow the audience to get to know you a little bit better through a series of random questions. <laughs> um, so are you ready? I'm ready. These are actually probably more in depth than I usually ask because you are so interesting that I really wanted to know the answers. <laughs> ask things like, like, you know, if you were a food, what would you be? But anyway, I put some of them. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> All right. If you had to live anywhere else in the world outside of New York, where would you live? London. Really? Yes. I love London. Oh my gosh. It's, it's like one of my favorite cities. By the way, have you ever been to Australia? No, I haven't. I'm scared of the flight. Really? <laughs> it's so long. It's so long. Yeah. Well, they have a direct was... flight from LA now, which is only 16 hours. So I don't oh, know okay. how long it takes to get to LA, but you definitely need to come. You would love it. Melbourne, yeah. not Sydney, obviously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you could have a one-on-one dinner with any musician dead or alive, who would you choose? Oh my gosh. George Michael. Mm. obsessed funnily enough my fiance is who's from London um his mom went to school with George Michael really oh yeah. my god I love him I just yeah I, I miss him every day he was amazing bless all right if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life what would that be um bagels um. <laughs> a New York bagel I need to specify a New York bagel is very different than most bagels <laughs> I know, to be honest, I said yum, but I'm like, we only have like these cardboard box, like come in a plastic bag type bagel. So I don't even know why I said yum. I'm like picturing what it would taste like with one of those coffee cups that have like blue writing on the outside that I always yes. say. Oh my God, it's so good. I want one right now. <laughs> All right. If you had to lose your phone or your wallet, which would you choose? Uh, phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm, I'm disconnecting more and more every day. Do you <laughs> I can do without the phone. Funnily enough, I did my first like proper digital detox, you could call it, for like two days last couple of weeks ago. It was the best thing I've ever done. Honestly, you get so much done when you're not like when your phone's on your hand. Like I was like practicing guitar, like cooking, working, like all this stuff. And it's normally I was like, I would have spent that time scrolling. It's so bad. Yeah, you actually have a life. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> all right. If they were going to make a girl code into a movie, who would you want to play you? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, could it be somebody who's like like older now, but like make them younger sure. in the movie? Oprah. Oh, bless. <laughs> I, love I love that. I love Oprah. <laughs> if you could be granted one wish right now by a genie, what would that be? Um, a lifetime of health and happiness. Oh, I love that. Oh, bless. <laughs> I've asked, question, I've asked that question before and I'm just, like, people are always like, th like, think of like little things like, oh, yeah. oh yeah, anyway, that was good. <laughs> all right. What is your number one quote of all time? 
what is for you will not pass you. Oh my God. I love that. Good one. <laughs> yeah. Not my original, but it's, it's a good one. You are full of quotes. And honestly, it was such a pleasure to talk to you because the way that you explain everything, you can tell you're such a writer because you give the best analogies to really describe what you're talking about. So honestly, this was such a pleasure. I'm so freaking excited for everyone to tuck into Like She Owns the Place. It will be also featured on one of my up and coming book reviews on YouTube. But honestly, thank you so much, Akara. I, yeah, I just, I cannot express how grateful I am to have had you on the show. Oh, thank you, Erin. It was my pleasure. And thank you everybody for listening. It was awesome talking to you. Awesome. So I, I'll obviously leave all the links in the show notes, but where can everyone find you on social media? Is It's just the Champagne Diet on Instagram. I know that. And where else is the best yep. place to find so- my website is thechampagnediet.com. And if you do want to go ahead and order Like She Owns the Place, you can go to likesheownstheplace.com or in your local bookstore. It's everywhere on July 10th. Awesome. Awesome. And that is the day this podcast is out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kara. Thank you so much. So guys, whoa, I hope that that interview inspired you as much as it did me, really just to start putting yourself out there. I think the ultimate thing that I've learned from Kara's journey is that you've just got to get people to know who you are. You have to be ruthless on the self-promotion side of things. If you really want to start making a name for yourself, I think that you can do it in a very fashionable, stylish, and eloquent way. But I don't think that there is any shortage of hustle that is involved with really getting yourself out there. I mean, Kara is doing thousands of podcast interviews. I probably over exaggerate, but she's doing a shit ton of interviews to get this book out there, even though she's with a traditional publishing house now. So guys, honestly, you can absolutely freaking have everything you want in life. You've just got to start getting out there and getting your amazing self in front of new eyes. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm really grateful that Kara was able to come on and talk to you all today about her journey really do go out and get yourself a copy of her book because not only is it an amazing story of confidence it empowers you to follow your dreams and there's little exercises in there that you can keep for yourself to just really really make the most of the experience i really appreciate you hanging out with me today and i will see you in the next episode So that is it for today's episode. I really hope that it was helpful for you and that you took away some key information about how you can grow a profitable and memorable personal brand online. If you have not already, I would very much appreciate it if you would leave me a review on iTunes if this podcast helped you in any way. And of course, come hang out with me either on Instagram at Erin May Henry or in the May Collective Facebook group. Now, go out there and become known online. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.